It's good to be here this morning. I have a question for you. Are you happy? You look happy. You say, no? Good. One honest individual. Thanksgiving week. You have to be happy. You're going to grandma's house, going to your family's house. You have to be happy. You have to put on a smile and you have to at least let them know that things are good, right? Things are not always good, are they? Here's a question. Are you content in life? I didn't know this, but there are polls that have been done on happiness, contentment. No, I kid you not. Internationally, for the second consecutive year, the United States has taken a tumble in the World Happiness Report. Did you know that existed? I didn't either. They rank, uh, ranked us out of 150 countries, and the 2018 report was released earlier this year ahead of, of the United Nations International Day of Happiness. I'm sort of lost, I guess, in this world. And it has the United States ranked out of 150, 18. That's down a, a few spots from a year ago in the United States worth showing when it was introduced in 2012, the United States has never cracked the top 10. Why measure happiness? Some experts say it's a better measure of a nation's progress and that using social well-being as a goal drives better public policy, according to the report. Statisticians weighed six variables, according to the report. GDP per capita, social support, healthy life expectancy, social freedom, generosity, and absence of corruption. That's internationally. If that's not enough, they do it nationally. I didn't know that either, but here we go. From this perspective, from just our country, happiness, they say, comes from a combination of internal and external factors. We can influence happiness by approaching situations positively or choosing to spend time with people we love, doing activities we enjoy. I found this interesting. One thing they say that doesn't drive happiness is money. Still trying to figure that out. And this is fascinating. I, I kid you not, I can't make this stuff up. Happiness only increases with wealth up to an annual income of 75%. So what we're going to do is divide the congregation this morning. If you make $75,000 or more, no, we won't do that. But that's what it says. One thing that can have a big influence on how we feel about life is where we choose to live. In this study, the findings of happiness research determine environmental factors linked to a person's overall well-being. So pretty much like it was internationally. You want to know where the states rank? Number one, anybody want to take a guess? Aha! Dead giveaway. Hawaii. Want to know the, uh, number 50? Don't you dare say West Virginia. We can't do too much laughing, though. Ohio is number 37 on the happiness guy, I know. 
That's something that every one of us internally or externally and or externally, as the case may be, deal with. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us, point blank, be content. Turn to your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, when I was in high school, I rode the school bus 60 miles every day to school. No, that you heard that right. 60 miles to school in high school. And the horse gave out often. Now, when we did this, 60 miles, you find things to do, right? You discover that there are different things you can get into, things you can get involved in. So it's a long, long, long ride, needless to say. Now, some students in high school got this idea that they could use that time to study. Novel idea. It never dripped down that far to me nor a group of us that were on the school bus. And so we got this brilliant idea that we could utilize our time by gambling. And so we did. We developed a group of guys that gambled on the school bus. Now, a number of us later on were caught in our senior year in the high school gym up in you know, high schoolers are not very smart. I've discovered that as I've gotten older. Now, you guys will too when you get older. We, don't th we didn't think very much about the consequences of what would happen when we did them. And so we would gamble. One thing that almost always came up is that someone would accuse the dealer, you want to guess? Of dealing off the bottom or dealing them a bad hand. I mean, only so many things can happen in a row before you begin to question whether or not it's fair. Sometimes in life, we feel that way. We've been dealt a bad hand. As a matter of fact, when things happen on a regular basis and the same thing happens more than once, it's easy to get that idea that, man, things are not fair. If there's one thing that we know, if you look at life practically, life isn't fair, is it? But when you look at your own personal life, you, you may ask yourself this question, why is it that sometimes I seem like I've been dealt a bad hand? I mean, things just haven't gone well for me in my life. Or, you know, I get a little momentum and things start going positively and then it just seems like it falls back the other way. And it's easy to get to the point where you may ask that question. I think Paul did. The Apostle Paul. Second Corinthians chapter 12. He has this vision. This is cool because this is one of those passages that we talk about often on Wednesday night, Wednesday night Bible study. 
uh, where we sit down and study the Bible. And if you don't have anything going on 6.30 on Wednesday night, it's a good place to be if you can make it. And we run into many of these passages where either Pastor Ryan or someone else that's leading the study will say, I don't have a clue what that means. Or, you know, this is a difficult passage because it doesn't give us all the information. This is one of those. Where Paul has this vision. He's caught up what he calls into the third heavens, into the realm where God abides. And he talks about this person. He calls this man in verse 3. He says, whether he was in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. Only God knows. And on my behalf, Paul says in verse 5, such a man I, I, I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast. Isn't that interesting that we sang that song, that last song? About not boasting? Except in regard to my weaknesses. Paul says in verse 6, for if I do wish to boast, I shall not be foolish, for I shall be speaking the truth. But I refrain from this so that no one may credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. And then he takes an interesting twist in this letter at this point. And he says, now remember when this was written, it was there are no chapters and verses. I constantly need to be reminded of that because you know my Bible breaks up these chapters and sections, does yours? And it's not necessarily always like that. As a matter of fact, many times it's not the case. This is in letter form, and Paul's writing this in letter form. And so he gets to this point, and it sort of takes a twist. You know, he, he has this vision, and he sees this man that um, that he it's it's just hard. It's hard for Paul to describe actually what happened. And he says next in verse 7, And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Here's Paul's lot in life. God thought it necessary to deal him a painful situation. And by the way, this is one of the most debatable things in the New Testament. People want to know what it is. I know what it is. If you'll see me after, I'll tell you. No, I don't. I don't think anybody does. That's not the point. What it is isn't the point. The point is that God chose to deal this as one of Paul's hands in life. And Paul's going to, he's going to try to describe this and, and how he, he's dealing with it and how he sees it and how he sees God in all of this. He's going to try to do this. I think Paul understood exactly why and what God was trying to do. He understood that God knew him better than he knew himself. He says, I'm human. You know, I can only take so much. You ever feel that way as a Christian? You ever feel God? I mean, I understand that I'm supposed to bear some of the burdens in life and you're going to put on me and allow me to go through some things in life, but enough is enough. I mean, 
You can call off the dogs if you want, anytime. You ever feel that way? Paul did. And so he said in verse 8, concerning this issue that God allowed me to deal with in my life, and he puts it square on God. (laughs) He doesn't say, you know, some external circumstance, you know, some things happened in my life. and No, he knows where it came from. He knows who allowed it to happen. He knows who gave it to him. And so he says in verse 8, concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it may depart from me. Now God knows Paul better than Paul knows Paul. And by the way, God knows you better than you know you. But it still didn't, didn't keep Paul from begging God, God, remove this from my life. And maybe you say, you know, I have that same prayer. There's something in my life and I just feel like God has given me a, a raw deal. I feel like God has dealt me a hand that, I don't know, I question sometimes. I don't know. Paul began to understand this. He's focusing on the thorn here instead of why the thorn is in his life. And so he begs God three times and God says to him in verse 9, no. Now, there are some people that say there are three, three responses to when you pray a prayer. Yes, no, and wait. I don't know if that's accurate or not. In this case, we know for sure that God said, nope, I'm not going to remove this issue in your life. I put it there. I'm allowing you to go through this because I put it there. There's an interesting thing that Paul says after God tells him no, when he says, you know, I know you, Paul, better than you know yourself. And my grace is enough for you. I think we sang a song, didn't we, Wes? Your grace is enough. That, you know, when we sing these songs, these are biblical songs, you know that? Now, they're not perfect. Songs are not the Word of God. Human men write these songs, but I think with all their heart, most of them, the believers that are writing these songs, are trying to, trying to stri- stick to Scripture, and that's one of them. God's grace, Paul hears God say to him, is enough. It's enough. You don't need anything else. What you're going through, I can take care of it. And so in verse 10, Paul understands a very important principle. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses. Now, that is a sign of a person that is insane or someone who understands that God is working in his life. You like weakness? You like to be weak? You like difficult times in your life? You like it when life rubs you the wrong way? You like it when people push against you? You like it when no one likes you? You like it when your children say, you're the worst parent I've ever had. I think I'm going to adopt someone else. I'm going to run away. You like it when you at work you do your best that you possibly can and your boss says to you, give me 110%. I am well content with my weaknesses. He goes further. With insults, 
with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. And there's a reason that he understood this at the end of verse 10 because he says, when I'm in that mode in life and when I understand that God has dealt me the hand that He's dealt me, He's put me in the situation as a believer that He's put me in, this is what happens. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. But I skip something. Three words for Christ's sake. It's all about Him. Now we sing about that and we read about that and we talk about that. Do we live that way? But it's it. Paul has a real struggle here. A situation in life or situations in life and just circumstances in life. Not just one thing. Paul's got a whole list of things. So he says, be content with life's hand you have been dealt and then be content with your daily circumstances. Now we're going to jump out of here. We'll come back to here in just a moment. But go to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. When I'm content with life's deal, then I can be content on a day-to-day basis. Do not. Do not get up every morning and try to say, I'm going to be happy. It doesn't work. People have tried it. It doesn't work. It'll work for a while, but it doesn't work long term. Don't do that. Go back and make sure, look in the mirror every morning and say, do I know Jesus today? Do I believe that He died? Do I believe that He shed His blood? Do I believe that He rose again from the grave? Do I believe that? And if you do, in your heart, you are in Christ. Amen? You can wake up and if the ceiling falls in, you're still in Christ. You can wake up in the morning and if, if, your, if your boss calls and says you have been fired, you're still in Christ. You can wake up and if someone looks at you and cuts you off as you're going to work and gives you the finger, you're still in Christ. You go to work and someone insults you and says bad things to you and curses you from top to bottom, you're still in Christ. But if you get up and try to find that happiness every day and try to generate that, it won't work. Paul was content in Christ for Christ's sake. Isn't that cool? And so now he can be happy with day to day. No matter what happens to him, he can be content. I like what what someone said. As a matter of fact, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, he said, uh, be content with your daily circumstances. Well, he didn't say this, but be content with your daily circumstances. They will change. And, and he said this, the best thing that we can do when it is raining is let it rain. Let it rain. I mean, I, that's something I wish I would have said. You know, you get your name attached. That's pretty cool, isn't it? But it's true. You know why? Because tomorrow the sun might shine. (laughs) That's cool. Tomorrow the sun may shine, and it probably will, and it might rain, especially if you live in northeast Ohio, the next day. And the next day. And the next day. Be content with your daily circumstances. When I'm content with life's deal, I can do that. Determine whether or not in your heart you are in Christ. That is critical. 
And only you know that. Why did Paul rejoice? Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Philippians 4.10. He says, But I rejoiced in the Lord and I like this. I don't know what your translation says, but my translation says greatly. I mean, he, he couldn't rejoice anymore than that. I, I rejoice greatly that now at last you have received your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. I mean, Paul was able to rejoice greatly. Why? Because he was in the Lord. He didn't get up that morning in prison and say, well, I hope today is better than yesterday. And I hope that today will be as good as tomorrow, and I hope tomorrow is better than today because today is lousy. You ever been honest with yourself and said life stinks? Christians are not supposed to say that, right? Supposed to see all good and all life stinks sometimes. It just does. But when we're in Christ, there's a different perspective. We look at things different. We can get up every day and say, I greatly rejoice because I'm in Jesus. Now that doesn't do anything for us. Nothing will. We can go join another lodge or a club or something. Because when I'm in Christ, it doesn't matter how things change. It doesn't matter how many of the chess pieces move on the board or the checker pieces get jumped. It doesn't matter. What matters is my relationship with Christ and me knowing that God has everything in control and He cares about me. I mean, Paul understood this even though he was a human being and wanted these things removed at least the one thorn in the flesh. Paul can say, I rejoice in the Lord because he was in the Lord. Paul had an internal peace. Look what he says in in Philippians 4.11. Not that I speak from want. You know why Paul says this? Because he had them. He had wants. He had desires. Some of them probably just like us that were never fulfilled. And he can still say this. What's this? For I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. You know why he can say that? Because he's in Christ. And he knows it. Will he have struggles in life? Will he have times in his life where he just feels like, you know, God or somebody in life gave me a raw deal? They cut the debt improperly and dealt from the bottom or the middle or whatever? Sure he will. But he's learned to be content because he is in Christ. I mean, that's what it's all about. What he had was sufficient. It was adequate. It was independent of any external circumstances. Because he had plenty of external circumstances. Now, hold your finger there just a second and flip back with me if you have your Bibles to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 chapter right before where we were. We'll go back there in a moment. So, I I just want you to hear this. You've heard it before. 2 Corinthians 11.23 says, Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if if insane. He's he's talking about those who claim to be in Christ and those that lord it over people and so on, those higher ups. He says, I'm I'm even more than they are. Um, 
in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Stop there. I'm done. Right? That's enough to do me in. Now, I'm, I'm a wimp. I don't like to be beaten. Anybody here? You enjoy be, be, somebody beat you? You enjoy being in danger all the time, never knowing if you'll ever be safe? By the way, there are children and people in this country that feel like that all the time. They have no one to protect them. We have the Lord on our side. And he goes on, he says, um, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. I don't even want to get there in life. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent Journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers. Whoa, man, this is getting old. Dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among the false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And oh, by the way, apart from all these external things, there is the daily pressure upon me for concern of all the churches, don't get around Paul. It might rub off. Wow. <laughs> now, we don't want to compare ourselves to Paul. That's not the point. The point is, if you're in Christ, you're in the same... Now, hear, hear me out. You're in the same position He is. <laughs> yeah. You're on the same level with the Apostle Paul. There's no difference. See, that, that's what he was trying to answer in, in 2 Corinthians 11. Some people thought they were, had a higher status. He said, you guys think you're something? Let me tell you what I go through. Let me tell you what I've been through. And I can still say in Philippians 4.11, while in prison, rejoice. Rejoice. I'm content. I'm happy with my daily circumstances because I sit in this prison in Christ. He understood the secret. We're not going to go there, but verse 4 in Philippians 12 and 13. I mean, Paul understood the secret. Be content with your day-to-day circumstances and then be content with God. Have you ever looked at it that way? Paul did. He said, I, I greatly rejoice in the Lord. I'm happy with God. I mean, are you happy with God? Are you happy with Jesus? I mean, does He make you happy? Now, when we say, does He make you happy, we tend to think, okay, let me make a list of things He's done for me, right? When we pray, we have a list. When somebody says, okay, we're going to rejoice today, what do we do? What do we do? We make a list. God has done this, 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 and this, right? I mean, that's human nature. Do we ever say, and I know some do, and I've heard it. Jesus is Lord. He's God. And I'm content with that. I'm happy with that. I mean, not that we could do anything about it, right? But there's something about being happy with God. Being happy with who He is. And we talk about trust, and we talk about all that, but Paul was, he was happy with who God was. When a person has this love relationship with the Almighty God, 
He has everything. And I think Paul knew that. Even when it seems as though he has lost it all. And we won't turn to Romans 8, verses 35 and 39, but read that sometimes. And that's another familiar passage like 2 Corinthians 11, I just read. Another familiar passage. Nothing will be able to separate us. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. You know why? Because God is God. And so I came to church to hear that. That God is God. Tell me something else. No. I mean, are you happy with that? Content with that? Paul was. Godliness as a result of a relationship with Jesus and contentment are powerful when you connect them together. I mean, being happy with God and being happy with and, and content with where He's put you in life and what He's doing in your life. When you connect that together, that's what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. I mean, when you have a relationship with God and understand who He is and you're okay with that, your daily circumstances and situations in your life, you're okay with that? That, Paul says to the young preacher Timothy, is great gain for you, brother. Wow. i got to dwell on that, guys. I have to dwell on that. I do. I'm not sure I look at it that way. That's what it says. Great gain when those two are combined. Be content with life's deal. Be content with your day-to-day circumstances. Be content with God. And, and then be content with material things. And I'm not going to spend much time on this, but Hebrews 13.5 says, let your character be free from the, from the love of money. And I think that as a in the larger perspective doesn't just mean what we consider money, but th- material things, things that we hold to be very, very important in life. Are they? Of course they are. God, the relationship that we have with Him and His Son Jesus is the most important. And I think we would all know that. Be good to live the Timothy principle. 1 Timothy 6 6. I, I quoted that, or at least part of it, but and I know that was written to young creature Timothy, but in that passage in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6, 7, and 8, Paul shares something with this young preacher that will change his life and how he preaches and how he views those that are under the sound of the preaching of God's Word. That This godliness connected with contentment, which is great gain, which is what pleases God, that there's a principle in all of this. And that what we have and who we are and all of that, we weren't born with any of it. None of it. I mean, who you are right now, Do you think your reputation that you have in the community and how highly people think of you, you were born with that? The material wealth that you have, whatever it is, do we think that we, we obtain that somehow? And Paul tries to get this. You know, the Apostle Paul, who was so, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, in some of his writings, and I realize that I say this, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God allowed him to write this, but some of this stuff he writes is convoluted to me. Now, it's probably me. I'm sure it's me. 
And when I read it, I think, what in the world is he talking about? But in 1 Timothy 6, he's so simple that even my little second grade mind can understand it. When he tells Timothy, Timothy, you didn't bring any of this in, 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 into life. You were born with nothing. You teach your people that. They were born with nothing. What they have, who they are, is all because of God. It is all because of God. So be content with that. He tells him in 1 Timothy 6.8. And be careful that nothing puts a snare in your path to disrupt that. Isn't that cool? Isn't that great? Because that's exactly what happens. Things get in the way. Now moving on so we don't stay here all day. Why be content? Let's go back to, to 2 Corinthians again, shall we? 2 Corinthians 12. He's told us that we need to be content. Why be content? And I mentioned this. I, I skipped it and then hit it and then I'll hit it again here in verse 10. 2 Corinthians 12.10 He says, All of these things I am well content with, weaknesses, insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties, for Christ's sake. I, I read that for Christ's sake and I ask myself this question, what in the world does that mean? On account of Christ. Because of who He is. I mean, He's worthy. <laughs> Would anybody agree? Amen? God, Jesus, is worthy to receive thanks and praises. And when I'm content, that's, that's what He receives. When I realize that He made me like this anyway, because He gave His life for me in 2 Corinthians 5. I mean, that should carry some weight, shouldn't it? That He gave up His life so that I could know Him and the Father and so that I could have the Spirit of God dwell in me and work in me and make me more like Him and teach me things along life's rugged path in life. <laughs> he says, because when I am weak, then I am strong. Humanly, that, as I said earlier, that doesn't make any sense, but it is His contentment that I draw on Paul says, it's not my own. It's, it's supernatural. When I allow my weaknesses to be shown, His strength is revealed. Did you get that? When people know that I'm in Jesus, this is how it works. Now, don't, don't try to manufacture this because that doesn't, that doesn't do it. When you're in Jesus, you can look in the mirror every morning and say, I am in Christ. I know that. No matter what comes at me today, I'm going to deal with it based on that relationship. And then I'm going to go to work, and no matter what happens, I'm going to deal with it like that. And when people ask me why, or maybe they know why, some people that you work with, some people in your families that are not believers, they know where you stand in Christ. And they see all of these things happen, and they wonder, how do they deal with that? Bam. How do you deal with it? Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. You say it won't make sense to them. It doesn't make sense to you either. Tell them. Tell them. Jesus. See, now you don't have to preach a sermon. How do you deal with this? How do you get through this? How do all these awful things happen to you and you just keep moving on? How do you do that? It's Jesus. It's just, what do you, more do you want me to tell you? Jesus in my life. 
Can you see how that would magnify God? To know that His Son is exalted in your very weaknesses and my weaknesses? Why do I want to fabricate a sermon to preach to someone? Why do I want to know the four spiritual laws? When every day people come in contact with me and you and they see us, they want to know what makes you tick. How do you get through this? How do you deal with this? And I think you could hear Paul say, Jesus. You can hear him in the Philippian jail. In the, in the jail in Philippi. When they say, Paul, how do you sit here every day and rejoice like this and do this and deal with all this mess and all that you've been through? And Paul said, Jesus. Tell Jesus. I wish I could tell you something else, but it, that's it. You know, Scriptures tell us in 2 Corinthians 12 where we are that we should be content. And why be content? But we need to go back to Philippians 4. And if you'll flip back there, we'll close with this, okay? And that's a promise. Back to Philippians chapter 4. You know, all good things in life take work. Do you know that? Being a believer and, and doing these things that even though we're in Christ and being content and being happy with our day-to-day -day circumstances and things in life still takes work. Paul says, and I skipped this earlier, and I want to come back to this in Philippians 4.11. He says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content. It's not automatic. It's not some kind of osmosis, you know, that just because you're a Christian, you're just automatically happy. Now see, I'm going to take a burden off of, out of your life right now. I'll say it again. I'll, I'll repeat myself, which I rarely do. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you're going to be happy. So, well, wait a minute. I thought that's what you said. No, that's not what I said previously. He said, you need to understand that you are in Christ, if you are. Then you need to understand that God is in control of all that and He deals out the hands. Then you can rejoice. You need to learn that. We all need to learn that. And I don't know about you, but there are a few of you that have children. In this church, lots of them, which I love. You, you tell your children once, and they have it. Right? I did. My children one time and they got it. You know you feel like a parrot raising children because you're constantly repeating yourself. And that's the way it is with a believer. You have to constantly relearn some of these things. That's what Paul, I think, is talking about here. And then learn in in Philippians 4.12, the circumstances change. He says, now here's something that's going to blow you away about Paul. And I promise you, we're getting there. Look at this. He said, I know how to get along with humble means. I've been poor. But did you know that Paul was rather wealthy at one time? Did you know that? He said, how do you know that? Because I read it. Also, I know how to live in prosperity. Been there too. Been there, done that. Been on both sides of the spectrum and probably a lot in the middle. Been there, guys. 
but I have learned because I'm in Christ how to be content because things will probably change. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And I love what he says here. And we know this verse, don't we? I can do, help me here. here, here you can quote it in your own, own translation. Ready? I can do all things through Christ who does what? And that's what it's all about. When things don't seem to add up, remember what Mark 9.23 says. All things are possible to him who believes. And what Isaiah 50 verse 10 says, Who among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of His servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? He's speaking to the believer here. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. There are some things I just need to constantly learn. Isn't it? How all this fits together? It does. Let's pray. Father, we're here this morning as your children. And we look in the mirror and we know that we're your children. We resemble your children. And so every day, may we make it a habit to, to get up and to say that I am in Christ. I have a relationship with Jesus. And then I can go about my day and as circumstances change and as things move around in life, because of my relationship with you, I can learn as I live life to be content with those things. Because I know as I go through these ordeals and difficulties and things in life that it's for your sake and it will magnify you, Jesus. And the Father in heaven will be pleased with that. So, there you have it from your children. We want to learn these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.